Call of Duty, Black Ops Cold War launches, and more coming up on today's episode of the latest in tech news. Hey, Gadget here. You're just in time for the latest episode of the world's only 3-in-1 show on tech, gadgets, and gaming news. That's right, this is the latest in tech news. My name is Taylor Merrick, and uh, the goal of this show and every episode and all the articles I bring you is to get you up to date on the latest and the greatest. Um, honing in specifically on like tech news, gadget news, and gaming news. And if you're new here... Uh, Tune in for a listen. If you like what you hear, let us know. Subscribe. Share with your friends. And if you're a long-time listener, um, share share us with a friend, please. And thank you. And um, my apologies for sporadic episode updates. Um, for all who may be wondering, and if you haven't heard this on the show already, now you will. This isn't my full-time job. As much as I'd like it to be, I have other responsibilities and, and things going on in my life, so I'm not able to devote as much time to this as I would like to, hence why shows are sporadic. And uh, sometimes maybe the quality suffers, because I know a couple of times you've probably heard an article or two where you're like, I didn't really like that one, or that didn't really seem interesting. Well, sometimes I'm rushed in production, but uh, I got a good lineup of articles today. We'll be taking a look at the Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War launch trailer and more, seeing as how it is um, going to be launching officially on the 13th, but we wanted to drop in on that launch trailer. We'll also be taking a look at Facebook launching cloud gaming. Um, couldn't see that coming, did ya? Maybe you did, maybe you didn't. Also, we'll be taking a look at Sure making a podcast-friendly alternative to its high-end microphone. And uh, if you're not really podcast um, podcaster-oriented, it's it's okay. It's kind of like a techie thing. Uh, it fits in my niche of things that I like to kind of stay current about. And maybe you'll find it helpful. Maybe not. Maybe you'll find the article share-worthy. So I'll be getting into that. Let's be taking a look at MIT testing an autonomous rowboat that can carry two passengers is actually kind of interesting, so we'll be getting into that. We'll also be taking a look at, well, an update on the uh, Epic and Apple uh, lawsuit and back and forth that's been going on between these two companies. Uh, apparently, that was uh, uh, Epic saying that um, you have no rights to the fruits of our labor kind of thing. So it's kind of an interesting article. We'll be getting into it a little bit. And finally, we'll be taking a look at Solving Crimes in Cyberpunk 2077. Um, the author of this article is specifically looking to have it be less like Arkham and more like Paradise Killer. So we'll be getting into that. Um, seeing as how Cyberpunk 2077 is right around the corner as well. With that being said, let's hop into the articles that we got lined up for today. Okay, so a little bit of clarification. It hasn't launched officially. I'll have a new title for that. Uh, if and only if. Um, that's the uh, headline feature article uh, story for the episode of the day. But um, it's basically the launch trailer launching. For those of you 
waiting on bated breath, you've probably seen the uh, uh, beta test that a lot of people were able to test over this past weekend, uh, hopping into the Black Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War. Just playing around with it. Obviously, if you've pre-ordered it, you've had a little bit more time to play around with it. Um, the game is officially releasing on November 13th. It's coming to the Xbox One, Xbox Series X, PlayStation 4, 5, and PC. And uh, you see, it's never going to be easy to imp- improve on a phenomenon like Modern Warfare, but Black Ops Cold War is certainly giving it a good shot. And the trailer will go over 60 seconds of the game's fast-paced, retro-flavored action, all to the tune of Blue Monday by New Order for some reason. Um, So yeah, let's watch, shall we? Yes, sir, we believe it is. Something big is going to happen that can shift the balance of the Cold War. Oh, wait. You can't see it. You can only hear it. <laughs> it's a podcast. Duh. Well, if you're interested, if you haven't seen it already, I'll make sure to have a link to this article in the show notes where you can watch the uh, trailer for yourself. Uh, Ronald Reagan, Russell Adler, uh, a whistle stop tour of the game's impressive armory and an injection of explosives all make for some pretty interesting viewing. If you didn't get a chance to play the beta over the past few weeks, don't worry, you won't have to wait too long until you can get your hands on the game. So, uh, people are liking some aspects of it, not liking some of the more repetitive aspects of it. A um, little bit annoying parts, maybe of a couple of guns, uh, a couple parts of the map, um, maybe a couple of things about the AI. Um, hitboxes, things of that nature, you know, the usual things that people complain about in alpha and beta. Uh, so hopefully um, that will all be worked out on. But uh, are you guys looking forward to Black Ops Cold War? Let me know. Um, we are on Twitter at Tech News Gadget. Otherwise, feel free to stop on by the site, technewsgadget.net, and uh, let us know. Moving right along, uh, this article comes to us from Gizmodo, and for those of you wondering, yes, we have all of the articles in the show notes for each show we do, available yours free at technewsgadget.net, otherwise uh, you can actually get the show notes with the links to the articles themselves in the podcast app that you are currently listening in. Uh, I do know for a fact that this work works on Apple Podcasts and Overcast. Um, probably a couple other podcast apps, but uh, usually in the show description, however you get access to more details on that, you'll be able to uh, tap away to your heart's content to open articles and find out more about what we're hearing about. Keep in mind, we kind of pause the video aspect of the show just because I know more of you listening via the podcast. If you do enjoy watching the video of this show, please let me know. Uh, I'm always interested in hearing your feedback. And with that being said, let's hop on over to the article. We're weeks away from getting our first new generation of consoles in seven years. Meanwhile, Google and Microsoft are making Big place to stream 4K games, no console required. And it doesn't seem like an ideal moment for Facebook to cut in with the new cloud gaming service, but for reasons unknown, that's exactly what it's planning to do 
with Facebook gaming. Now, if you were regularly back on the web, back in the early days, <laughs> not that early, you've probably played a browser-based Flash game at some point or another, think Bloons or, or Cookie Clicker, that or, or Bullet Time Fighter. Um, that genre never quite died out. It just found a home on Facebook. In a blog post on Monday, the social networking giant claimed that 380 million of its users play games on its platforms each month. Still, I know, it's ironic. But those games are looking more and more dated, so Facebook is taking things up a notch with cloud gaming offerings that can pack a bit more performance. Now, if you already like playing Facebook games, not really much is changing here. The company said it's still focused on free-to-play games that are accessed directly on Facebook. No new controller to buy, subscription fee to pay for, just a redesigned portal and a handful of new games that rely on the cloud for processing. The biggest thing that Facebook is focused on is the ability to play a game directly inside an ad, which is interesting. Uh, testing out a new medium here, kind of an interesting merging of two, actually. Jason Rubin, Facebook's VP of Play, told Protocol that he sees it as a frictionless opportunity for discoverability and new ad revenue. According to Rubin, a user might stumble onto an ad for a game that they want to jump into, or they could get a sponsored post saying that a friend is currently playing a game that you could jump right into. Anyone following the increasingly petty, uh, I don't know, people complaining between Facebook and Apple will not be shocked to learn Facebook gaming will be available on Android and desktop, but not iOS. You see, over the summer, Apple's policies also proved to be a sticking point for new cloud streaming apps like Stadia and xCloud because of the App Store requirement that every game and update be submitted for review and listed in the App Store. Apple went to offer a compromise for that situation. That's still a huge pain in the butt for developers. So with that being said, Microsoft and Amazon, and now even Facebook, have reportedly decided to move ahead with creating content. Um their own platforms some for ios not as much though um so it's it's kind of interesting um cloud gaming might be a weird shift for facebook but the timing checks out facebook's biggest hit in the gaming space farmville if you didn't know is set to shut down on december 31st of this year the same time adobe will stop supporting or distributing flash player flash's wind down has been known since at least july of 2017 and last year facebook purchased a cloud gaming startup play giga less than a year later we got Facebook gaming. Uh, but no one should expect cloud gaming to be another pillar of Facebook's power anytime soon. There are 3 billion people on the planet who use at least one of the company's products, and for some categories, it just needs to get a small portion of that user base to engage. Um, for now, Facebook just seems to be happy to have another cudgel for its newfound Apple-beating hobby, which... See, Apple, when you decide to do stuff you do, then you wonder why other companies do But it's But it's great. The competition, rivalry, it's good, it's healthy for business, they get to innovate, they get to improve, they get to get better. Us consumers, we get better choices, we decide who we want to go with, when, why, how, where, and uh, new companies pop up, some stay, some go. It all happens in the realm of, well, video games, I guess, so. Kind of interesting. You guys still playing Farmville? I know I'm not. I don't even think I got started on that game. I think I played Scrabble. That was probably the last game that I played, and I got bored. I don't know. It's been a while since I've played games on Facebook. Ain't nobody got time for that no more. <laughs> All right, moving right along to some gadget news. Sure, 
is making a podcast-friendly alternative to its high-end SM7B radio mic. It's a new dynamic USB-slash-XLR hybrid, and that's kind of some good news. I, I can see people who aren't in the podcasting realm going, well, what does that mean? Well, if you have a microphone and you play online with friends or you play online multiplayer with random people, the, the quality of your um, audio depends on the quality of your microphone. And if you just have a cheap microphone, you don't really hear much and, it, and it's not really good and you have problems with communication. But if you start going up and paying for a better and better mic, uh, outside of maybe if you're doing YouTube stuff, if you're doing live streaming stuff, if you're doing podcasting stuff, a better mic means better quality sound and uh, just better all around goodness. Um, so sure, the microphone company that has products in almost every recording studio has finally released its first hybrid USB XLR dynamic microphone, the MV7. The MV7 was designed to be an affordable alternative to Shure's standard radio broadcasting dynamic microphone, the SM7B. If you were to walk into almost any radio studio or a higher budget podcast studio, you will most likely find the Shure SM7B, but the cost to get it is pretty high. Um, keep in mind, SM7B, for those of you who don't know, is 400 bucks. Yeah. Um, but you also need some kind of recording interface to record into your computer, um, mixers and recording interfaces starting at $100, and a preamplifier to boost the signal. Uh, sure is recommending the cloud lifter, which starts at $150. So you're all like, wait, so I get a microphone, and then I need a recording interface to get it into my computer, and I need a preamp to boost the signal. Man, I'm doing all this stuff. Just I just want a podcast. I just want good, decent audio. Well, if you want good, decent audio and you're making enough to afford that, that's usually where you go. But uh, the Shure MV7 is a lower-budget option, offering an all-in-one microphone and audio interface with a plug-and-play experience at, get this, $249. The price is significantly above the competitors in its category, but the MV7 being a dynamic microphone is kind of what's making it stick out in a non uh, in the now crowded, rather, USB microphone space, many USB microphones have copied the success of the best selling Blue Yeti, which is still the best selling podcast, air quotes, uh, live stream, air quotes, YouTube, air quotes, um, microphone of all time. It's a large uh, condenser mic. Though a condenser microphone is by no means a bad type of microphone, it's more delicate and sensitive to background no noises and rumbles. Condenser mics are more suited for very controlled environments, whereas dynamic microphones are more flexible in noisy environments and have more durable internal parts. There are only a few other dynamic USB microphones available in the market, which are mostly modeled after Shure mics, but none were from Shure directly until now. So this article also has a couple images that goes along with it. Actually looks pretty decent. Um, MV7 is also offering built-in EQ and compression settings and presets controlled by Shure's Motiv app when plugged in via USB. Though you cannot control internal settings when using the XLR input, you do not need a cloud lifter or phantom power booster uh, to get the signal up when plugging into another audio interface. Shure says the MV7 is not going to sound exactly like the SM7B, but that it offers a frequent 
latency response, and tonal quality of broadcast style dynamic microphones. So, yeah. Um, looking more in the article, it's actually looking pretty good. So we'll have to see how it all sorts out. But yeah, the MV7, you guys now finally have an option that's within budget, a little bit maybe near the higher end uh, compared to other microphones in the uh, category, but definitely well worth the cost. I know the reviews are kind of mixed right now in terms of whether they will or won't buy it. I haven't been able to get anybody who has uh, purchased it and tried it out just yet, but uh, I'm sure there'll be somebody out there soon with a review, if not on YouTube, then somewhere in the podcasting industry. Moving right along to some more gadget news, MIT is testing an autonomous rowboat that can carry two passengers. And uh, yeah, I'm not kidding you. They got an actual picture of it right here on the screen. And if you can't see it, well, it's because you're listening to the podcast. Um, if you want to see video, let me know. But if you like the audio, you want the show notes, I'll have that for you over at technewsgadget.net. It looks like a, a half-scale rowboat, too. I guess the first rowboat was larger, but it's this is the second version of it, and it's half the scale, um, and it can carry two passengers. We've heard plenty about the potential of autonomous vehicles in recent years, but MIT is thinking about different forms of self-driving transportation. For the last five years, MIT's Computer Science and Artificial Intelligence Laboratory and the Sensible City Lab have been working on a fleet of autonomous boats to deploy in Amsterdam. Last year, we saw the autonomous rowboats that could assemble themselves into a series of floating structures for various uses. And today, Seasail is unveiling the Rowboat 2. What makes this one particularly notable is that it's the first that can carry passengers, and that's pretty impressive. Um, the boat is pretty small, though only two meters long, and can carry two passengers through the canals of Amsterdam. Rowboat 2 has four propellers, so it can move in any direction, and it also includes LiDAR, GPS, and inertial sensors to help it navigate. While an individual boat looks rather tiny, they are modular, like the original rowboat. That means they can self-assemble into a larger vessel that's commanded by a main leader boat. MIT looked at the original rowboat as a quarter-scale option, with the rowboat 2 being half-scale, and are slowly working up to the point of a full-scale option that can carry four to six passengers. That bigger version is already under construction in Amsterdam, but there's no word on when it'll be ready for testing. In the meantime, rowboat 2 seems like it can pretty effectively navigate Amsterdam. MIT says that it's not autonomously navigated the city's canals for three hours collecting data, and returned to where it left with an error margin of less than seven inches, so which is pretty impressive. Going forward, the MIT team expects to keep improving the robot's algorithms to make it better able to deal with the challenges a boat might find, like disturbances from currents, waves. They're also working to make it more capable of identifying and understanding objects it comes across so it can better deal with the environment it's in. Everything the half-scale rowboat 2 learns will naturally be applied to the full-scale version that's being worked on now. There's no word on when we might see the bigger rowboats out in the water, though. So, there's a video if you guys want to take a look at it, but yeah, pretty cool. You never thought that we'd have a, a rowboat, did ya? Well, you're going to get a kick out of this one. Moving right along, we got an update on the uh, lawsuit going on between Epic Games and Apple. You see Apple is standing its ground in legal back and forth with Apple 
and in a filing spotted by The Verge, has argued against the notion that Epic's decision to cut Apple out of the payment processing is robbing the iPhone maker of its rightful share. (laughs) It's the latest in a series of filings and lawsuits that sprung out of Epic Games' calculated decision to include its own payment processing service in Fortnite that would allow Epic to circumvent the App Store's 30% revenue tax. And uh, once that happened, Apple quickly pulled Fortnite from the App Store following the move, triggering the lawsuit, and, among other things, accused Apple of anti-competitive behavior by barring other companies from offering storefronts or in-app payment processing services on iOS. Um, Well, Epic, Apple maintains... Apple maintains that it is entitled to 30% of Fortnite's iOS revenue due to the agreement that Epic Games and all developers signed to release a game on the App Store. Epic repeatedly says in this latest filing that Apple, quote, has no rights to the fruit of Epic's labor. Simply put, Epic did not steal anything that belonged to Apple, reads the filing. Apple's repeated assertions of theft boil down to the extraordinary assertion that Epic's collections of payments by players of Epic Games to enjoy the work of Epic's artists, designers, and engineers is the taking of something that belongs to Apple, continues the document. So, <sighs> there's going to be more going on back and forth, but I figured you guys would get a kick out of that juicy tidbit of information. <laughs> Just a little bite off the apple. Get it? <laughs> I'm sorry, it's been a long day. Can you tell? It's Monday. Had a great weekend. And uh, looking forward to an interesting week. Uh, At the end of this week, for those of you kind of staying current on the esports industry, the World Championship Finals will be kicking off between SN and, um, shoot, the other team uh, for League of Legends World Championships. Oh, Damwon Gaming. Ironically, when I got to um, the bracket picks for who I thought was going to win the quarters, semis, and, and the finals, ultimately. I I, uh, I didn't think it was going to play out this way, but Damwon Gaming got my number two spot uh, for winding up in finals. I only missed SN Gaming by one, because <laughs> I didn't think they had a shot at it. I thought maybe this was Fanatics year, they're going to make it in, they didn't. Anyways, uh, if you want to hear me talk about more League of Legends stuff, let me know. Uh, on our Discord, um, I'll make a good plug for that. Uh, that's usually where I like talking about more stuff related to things I'm interested in. You guys want to hear the news. I mean, that's why you tune in, right? Final article. Solving crimes in Cyberpunk 2077 needs to be less like Arkham and more like Paradise Killer. So uh, this article does have a little bit of language in it. I won't be reading it, though, but uh, uh, just highlighting a couple interesting parts of it. Because I think it's an interesting read and a read worth um, reading. Get it? Um, As we get closer to Cyberpunk 2077 launch day, uh, the author who wrote this article says that my life has become increasingly blurred. By day, I'm immersed in video game stuff, looking back through the Night City wires and prepping as much as possible for a huge action RPG that will consume at least 100 hours of my waking life. By night, I'm drinking tea and watching police procedurals. On the weekend, both simultaneously. It's got me thinking about the way detectoring is going to be a thing in Cyberpunk, because I reckon it'll be either really good or really annoying. 
Despite an emphasis on lawlessness and people taking justice into their own hands as gangs run riot and so on, the police do exist in Night City and classify things as actual crime. We've seen their special digi-crime scene tape and everything in CD Projekt Red's Night City wire streams, and there was a crime scene being investigated in the very earliest gameplay video two years ago, and there was a blink-and-you'll-miss-it shot in a video about gangs that come out last month. Side question, do... uh. Let's see, moving on here. When we first chatted about that first video, former vid bud Matthew uh, said he'd quite like to be a cyber cop. Um, the author is not sure because he's not a narc or a loser, but he kind of would like to be a cyber detective. Um, they love the idea of combining higher tech stuff with good old-fashioned deduction and pounding the streets when doing a detect a key, which... Almost all games leave off their big chain is to allow me the capacity to hunt down clues, follow hunches, and still end up coming to the wrong conclusion because I missed something. Think of Frogware's most recent Sherlock Holmes game, where you can collar the wrong criminal, or get the right one but decide to let him go, or Paradise Killer, where it's possible to know exactly who done it and why, but not meet the evidence threshold for conviction in your weird magic demon court. Now, The Witcher 3 wasn't perfect in this regard, but if Cyberpunk does a similar thing where it can be following one quest, the thread goes cold, and then suddenly you come across it again um, while doing something totally different in another part of the world that might be a solid foundation however there's the whole brain dancing thing um, which was revealed in the very first Night City Wire it's apparently a very popular form of entertainment since I guess it lets you piggyback and experience someone's memories and emotions secondhand. in the game you'll be using it to replay crimes and gather most important clues um, but this is the problem that the author is having um, because those crime scene investigations in Arkham were boring. Yeah, I, I, cool a couple of times you did it because you could see a man's skeleton and it was really an exercise in ticking the boxes and going the way that the computer you wanted you to go and when you scanned all the necessary parts you got to hear Batman go oh it looks like you got shot from over here or whatever. Even when they got a little bit more complicated and you could scrub through someone getting beat up uh, it was still an artful version of Google asking you to select all the squares that have a bicycle in them before you could pass on. Um, so obviously it's um, puzzling. Uh, and being that the author who wrote this article likes detective mysteries, um, mainly because they like figuring out puzzles, um, the BD tech in the night city wire look cool you can listen in on conversations scan bystanders and so on it looked a little bit too much like advanced arkham now in fairness uh it was clearly a tutorial introduction to the concept so presumably it won't be as easy as the camera being at the right angle to capture the person getting shot in the head um so but how is it how is it going to turn out i mean hopefully they have a good blend going on um um and the author wraps up by saying, I want to figure out puzzles in a way that when I have the four pieces, put them together in a certain way, I can see what the fifth one would look like, even though it's missing. Not because the camera recorded the whole puzzle and I was able to watch it back, that'd be cheating, but because I can deduce and then figure out, oh, this fits here and kind of, you know, feel like that Sherlock's home moment. Like, haha, I figured it out, but I'm not going to tell the rest of you guys until the end of the story. <laughs> so yeah, uh, Cyberpunk, 2077 definitely has some interesting aspects going on for it, and hopefully they pull off all the right ones. Um, 
among everything else that they're dropping into the game and uh, looking forward to it nonetheless. What do you guys think? Are you all for crime scene investigation? Just running around gangs, shooting, beating people up? Something else? Let me know down in the comments or uh, on Twitter via at Tech News Gadget. All right, and with that, that wraps up this episode of the Lays in Tech News. Thanks for tuning in. New episodes every weekday as I'm able to get them out. Release in Tech News can be found on every major platform, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and wherever else podcasts are found. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to let us know by leaving a review if you haven't. Also, double-check that you are subscribed so that you don't miss the next episode. I'm your host, Taylor Merrick, and remember, for the latest in tech, gadget, and gaming news, visit technewsgadget.net. Pretty much, keep being awesome, guys, and I'll see you on the flip side.